0: Section thirty two of the Medici, volume one. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Medici, volume one by G. F. Young. Chapter twelve. Giuliano, Duke de Nemours, and Lorenzo, Duke of Urbino the medici when they returned again after so many years to florence were represented by the two brothers giovanni and giuliano and their first cousin giulio they had been youths of eighteen fifteen and sixteen when driven out from their home they returned as men of thirty-six thirty-three and thirty-four during the intermediate years they had had many varied experiences had seen much of life had had many hard things to endure and ample opportunities of realizing how differently the world treats those who are in a position to grant favors and those who have to seek them on one of the trio the effect of these experiences had been good on the other two the reverse and the relative characters of these three young men are important in regard to subsequent events the senior member of the trio giovanni was an easy-going pleasure-loving man with a full measure of the ability customary in his family but ever ready to avoid trouble while the experiences through which he had passed had left him with few scruples as to the manner in which he attained his objects with his brother giuliano it was otherwise he had a thoroughly good disposition and one which would not allow him to adopt unworthy methods but it is with the third member of the trio that we are in this matter chiefly concerned giulio was full of energy and endowed with extreme ability second only to that of his uncle lorenzo the magnificent though the objects to which he throughout life devoted his powers were on so much lower a level as to make them less generally apparent from their very boyhood he had attached himself closely to his cousin giovanni becoming his constant companion and adviser and an agent ever ready to take all trouble off his shoulders an arrangement which exactly suited giovanni's ease-loving character these conditions were fraught with important consequences for during the long years of exile giulio's fertile brain had designed a course of action in regard to florence should they ever succeed in regaining power there which would make an entire change in the traditional policy of the family no more should there be any of that resting of the medici power upon mere popularity which had proved giulio considered such a broken reed but it should rest if he could direct events upon force pure and simple but the force should be that of a steel hand in a velvet glove and the despotism thus planned be made as little irksome as possible by the outward form of a republic being still maintained at all events for a time for giulio's far-reaching schemes went further than this and looked forward to a time when even the form of a republic might be abolished a despotic monarchy of tuscany set up and a crown at length to be placed upon a medici head all this could he considered be brought about or at all events set in train if giovanni would continue to be guided by him and if only it could be managed that giovanni should become pope to this member of the trio such feelings as generosity magnanimity care for the people readiness to give unselfish labor for the good of one's country clemency towards enemies and other similar motives of action which had been so long inherent in all the men and women of this family that they had grown to be assumed as matters of course were completely non-existent beneath a handsome exterior in a graceful manner he hid a cold-hearted disposition a nature able to entertain only ignoble aims and a character burdened with no scruples whatever but giulio well knew that the younger of the medici brothers giuliano would absolutely oppose any such projects and in the present relative position of the two brothers would be able to do so successfully therefore giulio's plans must be kept for the present to himself let giovanni however become pope and it should be seen how differently florence would be ruled while it would be easy to provide for giuliano elsewhere and to place florentine affairs in the hands of some more amenable agent such were the plans laid during the years of exile by this base-born scion of the medici who possessing all their ability but not a particle of their other qualities and scheming to direct the family towards ames and raise it by methods which were the only ones he appreciated became its evil genius and now the first step necessary to his schemes had been gained and they were once more installed in power in florence and giulio turned all his attention to the second step that of getting giovanni made pope the dim crown in the distance which giulio had set before him as the family aim had advanced one step nearer than it was when they were homeless exiles without power or influence but he little realized through how many vicissitudes the family were at length to gain that aim after he had passed away giuliano duke de Nemours, born fourteen seventy nine ruled fifteen twelve to fifteen thirteen died fifteen sixteen giuliano the third son of lorenzo the magnificent was thirty-three years of age when his family returned to the home from which they had been driven out when he was a boy of fifteen during the earlier part of their period of exile he had taken refuge with the duke and duchess of urbino guidobaldo montefeltro and his talented wife Elisabetta gonzaga the second greatest lady of the renaissance both of whom were very fond of him and during the years of exile he had shown himself possessed of both general capacity and military ability on his family being reinstalled giuliano was placed in charge of the rule of florence ruling that is to say in the same manner as lorenzo the magnificent had done the ostensible government being as heretofore the signoria and as soon as the new government had been established giovanni accompanied as always by giulio his fidus acates departed to rome this return after eighteen years banishment or rather the election of giovanni to be pope which was almost simultaneous with it marks the second turning point in the history of the medici up to this point great as had been their rise the position which they had attained was not higher than that of various other rulers of italian states now however their history enters on a new phase one in which they were to be among the most important people in europe intermarrying with crowned heads and taking a prominent part in great events of european history giovanni's decision to place the rule of florence in giuliano's hands rather than in those of Pietro's san lorenzo who was then twenty and had returned with his two uncles was a wise one for lorenzo's character was similar to that of his father pietro and his mother alfonsina while to inaugurate again the kind of rule maintained by lorenzo the magnificent it was eminently necessary that the power should be in the hands of one who had a conciliatory disposition and was in sympathy with the feelings of the florentine people giuliano was in every way calculated to fulfil these requirements born just after the conspiracy of the pazzi his father lorenzo the magnificent had given to him the name of the much-loved brother whose murder was so great a grief and in disposition giuliano was extraordinarily like the uncle whose name he bore all writers agree as to his admirable character he had a generous and sympathetic nature and conciliatory manners was opposed to bloodshed and violence was highly accomplished and a great lover of literature and art at the courts of urbino and mantua and wherever else he had wandered during the years of exile the young giuliano de medici had been a favorite at all social gatherings and castiglione gives us in his il cortigiano an attractive picture of him describing him as the chivalrous champion of women another writer says he was a thoughtful and religious man of a peaceful and generous nature revolting from the crimes in those days necessary to the success of worldly ambition he has been justly called one of the most attractive personalities the italian renaissance can claim to have produced he showed himself at once even in his outward actions desirous of meeting florentine views he shaved off his beard in accordance with the fashion among the florentines who regarded a beard as the badge of the foreigner he wore the florentine lucco and avoiding all ostentation bore himself simply as an ordinary citizen but giuliano's rule of florence was of short duration in february fifteen thirteen julius the second died and as his successor giovanni de medici was elected pope and took the name of leo x immediately upon this giulio's schemes began to work giuliano's lenient rule must be replaced by one more adapted to the new pope's views regarding florence so he was made gonfaloniere of the papal forces an office which necessitated his residence in rome and the rule of florence was made over to his less scrupulous nephew lorenzo who was ordered to conduct florentine affairs in accordance with instructions given to him by the pope just before this change was made the plot occurred which blighted the political career of machiavelli he had been secretary to Soderini's government but had signified his willingness to serve under the new regime two young men boscoli and caponi fired with ideas acquired by reading the ancient roman authors had concocted an ill-digested plot for the murder of giuliano and his nephew lorenzo they had apparently no confederates but one of them dropped in the street a paper which disclosed their plot and contained a number of names presumably of men whom they thought likely to sympathize with them amongst which machiavelli's was one and the finder took the paper to the signoria the latter caused boscoli and caponi to be executed but of the rest while a few were banished the greater part were set at liberty it being felt that the plot had no real sympathizers but was simply a dream of 2 hair hare-brained young men machiavelli was one of those held to be entirely innocent but the suspicion which had rested on him for a few days ruined his career as he could get no further official employment he retired to his country villa and took to literature giuliano on being relieved of the rule of florence retired to rome a change which was not unacceptable to him he preferred the charms of private life literature and the society of learned men to ambition and such society having been driven from florence by the anarchy of the previous eighteen years had now gravitated to rome which under julius the second and still more under leo x was becoming what florence had once been the centre of art and learning in italy in fifteen thirteen louis the twelfth again advanced into italy and attacked milan but was repulsed by the armies of ferdinand and maximilian sustaining a decisive defeat at the battle of Novara. in fifteen fifteen louis the twelfth died on the first january and was succeeded by his distant cousin francis I giuliano loving a quiet and unostentatious style of life was averse from the honors which his brother leo x in the desire to aggrandize his family now thrust upon him he was made lord of parma piacenza and modena but he thwarted the design which leo x formed to make him duke of urbino by dispossessing its duke francesco della rovere who in fifteen o eight had succeeded his uncle Guidobaldo montefeltro when this was proposed giuliano absolutely refused because it would be an injustice to the rightful duke and leo x had to defer his design to gain urbino for his family until after giuliano was dead early in fifteen fifteen giuliano was sent by the pope as his representative to congratulate the new king of france francis i on his accession francis developed a great liking for him and while at the french court giuliano was married to the charming Philibert of savoy then seventeen years old the anima eletta of ariosto the young aunt of francis i sister of his mother Louise of savoy the french king at the same time created him duke de nemours by which title he is always known to distinguish him from his uncle giuliano the brother of lorenzo the magnificent soon after his return to rome from france giuliano accompanied leo x as commander of the papal forces to the conference between the pope and the king of france which was held at bologna in december fifteen fifteen on which occasion there were great festivities in florence both on the way to bologna and during their stay at florence on their return but in february fifteen sixteen giuliano being much out of health removed to the badia of fiesole and there on the seventeenth march he died at the age of thirty-seven sincerely lamented by the florentines to whom he had greatly endeared himself thus the two giulianos were each in their respective generations the best beloved of their family to the very last giuliano endeavored to prevent his brother's design upon and alberi tells us that when leo x came to see giuliano at fiesole in his last illness the latter begged him almost with his dying breath not to attack the duke of urbino Philibert of savoy did not survive him many years she only lived to the age of twenty-six dying in fifteen twenty-four giuliano was buried with great ceremony in san lorenzo in the new sacristy then just begun by michelangelo under the orders of leo x being the first member of the family to be interred there and in after years over his tomb was erected one of the two great masterpieces of michelangelo giuliano left no child by filibert but left an illegitimate son ippolito born at urbino in fifteen o nine the fine portrait of giuliano by raphael is particularly interesting because it has only recently come to light after being lost for three hundred and fifty years the portrait of him in the uffizi gallery by alessandro Allori, fifteen thirty five to sixteen o seven had always been said to be a copy of one known to have been painted by raphael and mentioned by vasari as having been seen by him but since vasari's time all trace of this portrait had disappeared in nineteen o one, however, a picture which had been bought by the Grand Duchess Marie of Russia some years before was brought to Paris by the Prince Ciara Colonna for examination by the late M Eugene Muntz, Director of the Ecole de Beaux-Arts, who, after a careful inspection, pronounced it to be undoubtedly the lost portrait by Raphael of Giuliano, Duc de Nemours and This opinion has since been confirmed by that of Dr. Wilhelm. Bode, director of the royal gallery of berlin and other experts the picture differs from that by alessandro lori in having in the background a view looking from the vatican of the castle of sant angelo and showing the corridor leading from the vatican to the castle it was evidently painted in rome in fifteen sixteen either just before or more probably just after giuliano's return from his embassy to france he wears the style of cap in vogue there the french style of dress and a beard as customary in that country over a scarlet vest and a black doublet he wears a cloak of grayish-green brocade bordered with fur the left sleeve having on it a narrow strap with a gold ornament the document in his hand and the folded paper stuck into his cap refer to his diplomatic mission to francis i lorenzo duke of urbino born fourteen ninety two ruled fifteen thirteen to fifteen nineteen died fifteen nineteen lorenzo the only son of pietro the unfortunate was two years old when the family were exiled eleven years old when his father died and sixteen when his sister clarice was married in rome to filippo strozzi in consequence of his father's wandering life and early death he was brought up by his mother Alfonsina and had imbibed from her all those ideas of pride and arrogance which were most repugnant to the florentines when he was twenty-one the rule of florence was placed in his hands as the representative of his uncle leo x the senior member of the family he was ordered to rule in accordance with detailed instructions which were drawn up for his guidance by the pope and which specially warned him against offending the feelings of the florentines by ostentation in his mode of life or any display of that arrogant demeanor to which he was inclined leo x and his adviser giulio were bent upon ruling florence with a strong hand but at the same time they had no desire to disturb the excellent relations between them and the people which had been established on their return to power and for the first two or three years lorenzo obeyed these wise instructions though he had little capacity he refrained from giving offence and when in fifteen fifteen leo x visited florence the enthusiastic reception which the people gave him showed that the medici rule was still popular in march fifteen sixteen giuliano's death removed the obstacle to leo x's design of seizing upon the dukedom of urbino and giving it to one of the members of his own family the papal forces were at once set against urbino lorenzo being put in command the reigning duke francesco della rovere was driven out and on the thirtieth may the papal army entered urbino whereupon leo x declared lorenzo duke of urbino by which name he is always known but he remained so in little more than name and on leo X's death five years later the rightful duke recovered his state this new acquisition by the representative of the medici family charged with the rule of florence was of doubtful advantage to that state lorenzo had not the wit to be a duke in urbino and a simple citizen in florence he now disregarded the instructions he had received and his insolent bearing his maintenance of a semi-ducal ceremonial and his dissolute conduct soon made him hated in florence moreover lorenzo's new dignity involved florence in a costly war for francesco della rovere made strenuous endeavors to regain his inheritance and lorenzo before his authority over urbino was secured had to undertake a campaign lasting many months all this embittered the florentines conspiracies to take his life were frequent followed by executions which enraged the people still more against him and matters were rapidly tending towards another revolution in fifteen eighteen leo x and his adviser giulio who had now become a cardinal succeeded in arranging with francis i that lorenzo should be married to the king's distant relative the beautiful madeleine de la tour d'auvergne the contemporary historian florange remarks that she was trop belle que la marie referring to lorenzo's dissolute life lorenzo went to france in great splendor both to represent the pope at the baptism of francis's eldest son as well as for his own marriage to the king's relative he was accompanied by his brother-in-law filippo Strozzi and other principal florentines all dressed in crimson velvet and with a numerous retinue the court of francis i was at this time the most brilliant in europe it was now assembled at amboise and there first the baptism of the heir to the throne took place followed three days later by the marriage of lorenzo de medici and madeleine de la tour d'auvergne florange who was present says that the festivities on the occasion of this marriage were on a more splendid scale than had ever before been witnessed in christendom and gives a long description of them the young king francis i delighted in the most gorgeous pageants and no place was more suited to the display of sixteenth-century magnificence than the splendid old feudal castle of anboise the festivities lasted a month after which lorenzo and his bride returned to florence where the medici palace must have seemed to madeleine a somewhat sombre abode after the brilliance of francis i's court after this marriage lorenzo added to his other misdemeanors in florentine eyes by adopting the french custom of wearing a beard a dire offence in florence and the portrait we have of him was evidently painted at this time madeline only lived for one year after her marriage she died in the medici palace on the twenty ninth april fifteen nineteen a fortnight after giving birth to a daughter catherine and six days later on the fourth may lorenzo worn out by a dissolute life also died at the age of twenty-seven his death being to the advantage not only of florence but also of the medici family to whose name he had brought nothing but discredit lorenzo was buried as his uncle giuliano had been in the new sacristy of san lorenzo and michelangelo received orders from leo x to design his monument this in after years he carried out in the manner which has made this monument perhaps the most generally admired of all michelangelo's works and these two tombs in the new sacristy over giuliano duke de namur and lorenzo duke of urbino are probably the best-known tombs of any in europe over each sarcophagus sits a statue of the man whose remains it contains but these statues make no attempt to resemble the man depicted to giuliano who had a fine character is given a statue representing quite the reverse while to lorenzo the most worthless of the medici is given a statue so grand that poet after poet has been inspired to write fine lines about it attributing to the man the qualities represented by the statue when this result was foreseen and it was pointed out to michelangelo that the figures bore no faintest resemblance to the men represented he contemptuously asked who would know it in the ages to follow the plans of giulio de medici had been much disarranged by the results of lorenzo's failure to follow the instructions laid down for him on the latter's death therefore leo x sent giulio with all speed to florence to undo the harm to the family interests which lorenzo had caused he must have travelled with great dispatch for he arrived in time to superintend the arrangements for lorenzo's funeral which was carried out with much magnificence giulio then turned his attention to the matters on account of which he had been sent to florence and here for the first time gave public evidence of his great ability for he was completely successful in his arduous task the embittered feelings which the misgovernment of lorenzo had called forth caused the political atmosphere to be one of seething discontent the frateschi led by Jacopo salviati declared the existing method of government to be too oligarchical the otimati led by piero ridolfi condemned it as being too republican while outside these two parties were many turbulent spirits who merely aimed at anarchy giulio skilfully avoided identifying himself with either of the opposing parties and yet contrived to please both of them while at the same time keeping the real power in his own hands and during the five months that he remained in florence he lightened taxation brought the finances into order reformed the administration of justice and restored to the elective bodies rights of which lorenzo had deprived them tells us that both his measures and his demeanor gave general satisfaction this five months work on giulio's part was in its way a masterpiece in the art of government but cardinal giulio had other difficulties than these to surmount there were very intricate family politics also through which a way must be found if his cherished scheme was ever to bear fruit by lorenzo's having died leaving only a daughter who was a baby a week old the position of the family as rulers of florence had become very precarious since cosimo's branch threatened to become extinct lorenzo had been the only son of pietro the unfortunate and of his two uncles giuliano was dead and giovanni was pope while giuliano's son ippolito then ten years old as well as giulio himself were both illegitimate so that this little baby catherine was the last legitimate representative of the elder branch the succession to the headship of the family and with it to the rule of florence would therefore on leo X's death by rights go to the younger branch either in the person of Pier Francesco, great-grandson of cosimo's brother lorenzo or in that of the latter's other great-grandson giovanni della bandanere who was now twenty-one years old and already making a name for himself as a military commander not only however had the younger branch shown no aptitude for state affairs but also that branch deserved no consideration from any of cosimo's branch seeing that they had been the chief cause of the exile of the family had discarded the family name during the years of the interregnum and had acted a mean and ignoble part all through so that leo x and giulio were determined to keep the rule of florence out of their hands and in those of cosimo's branch if this should be in any way practicable nor were either of them likely to be at all scrupulous as to the methods by which this object might be effected but all this by what schemes under such circumstances the power was to be kept in cosimo's branch what was to be done with this baby girl who had become the most important person in the future of the family and how all this was to be combined with that ultimate aim of which he had never lost sight furnished for cardinal giulio a problem the consideration of which occupied many more hours of those five months at florence than even the difficulties of public affairs immediately after the splendid funeral in san lorenzo he took up his abode in the medici palace now tenanted by so small an owner and we can well imagine the far-reaching dreams and complex projects for a distant future which filled the active brain of giulio de medici as his deep thoughtful eyes for the first time looked down in her cradle on this last frail scion of cosimo's branch a fragile bark To bear so weighty a freight. End of section thirty two.